It's a blessing to be able to be with you today and to share a few moments as we study together, but also as we worship together and share in the fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's a beautiful day outside. Uh, the second 30 days of the month of January start soon. And uh, I think uh, it has felt to me like if this year is as long uh, each month is as the month of January has been, we're going to live a long time if we live through this year. And uh, just hope and pray the Lord will bless us and help us to do His will and seek to uh, share with each other the message of God and to live for Him each and every day. Our lesson today is entitled, The Amazing Love of God. Somebody says, Brother Mike, over the few times that you've been here, you've talked about the love of God several times, or at least more than once. And there's a reason for that. I truly believe that living up to the love that God's given for us to follow His example in, and being uh, those who recognize that God is love, and knowing that he's called upon me to love my neighbor as myself, I count love as being one of the toughest commandments in the Bible. Because there's a lot of others that we can fulfill at different times, but loving as we should, and loving each other as we should, and loving the lost as we should, is not as easy as you would think that it would be. And so as a child of God, we want to seek to do the Lord's will, to love for Him and each day. And uh, so as we continue, was the glare getting to the people? I didn't, I didn't know. Oh, that's okay. I appreciate it. I, I thought it, you know, I was trying to keep the glare down a little bit. You may have to put your sunglasses on here in a minute. Yeah, okay, okay. Sounds good. But uh, it's so good to be with you today. Now, in just a moment, I want to change the slide. I can't see the screen from here, Okay. But you're going to let me know if I went in the right direction or not, because on this thing, I'm not really sure, but we'll find out in just a minute. But we're going to talk about the amazing love of God. And once again, because I believe that for myself, you know, we live in a world that's just, I mean, we don't have to get out of our own town to find out how much lack of love or the amount of hate that we have. All across our nation, we're divided politically, we're divided religiously, we're divided culturally. And it just seems like that in all of these divisions that we have, a part uh, of the element that we see on every one is that we don't have the proper love for one for another. And if we did, if we had the proper love for God, proper love for ourselves, and for each other, it would, it would change uh, the entire world. But I'm more concerned about myself and this morning about God's family, that we be the kind of individuals that express the love of God. And what I want to share with you this morning has to do with the idea of the amazing love of God. Now, the, um, when I hit that button, did, did it, does it say first or it went some other way? All right, hang on here a second. Are we back where we started? Yes. Never moved. Never moved. Didn't move. Oh, you know, you have turned this thing on. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I knew I knew that was going to be it. Let me check. Let me check it right now. It's always a it's always an amazing thing there. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. 
You know, that on and off button, I just knew it was there for a purpose. Uh, so good to be here with you today, and my technological services have been provided to, to you also. When I think about the love of God, the amazing love of God, one of the first things that comes to my mind is the fact that God has created us in His own image. Now, you may not initially consider that an expression of the love of God, but I truly believe that it is. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let us let him rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock, over the earth, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him male and female. He created he them. Now, as we think about it for just a moment, the understanding of God and his creation. He begins by saying the word our. Of course, the Godhead in the creation of time. And as we look at that, we find that God chose to make us as human beings in his own image, in his own likeness, as it would be. And it is a blessing, I mean, for us to imagine that in all the creation that we have today, that, that he chose to do that, that he chose to make us in that beautiful and wonderful way. And it's in his image the image of God, knowing that God is spirit. He's allowed us to have that spirit, or a spirit, which allows us to be able uh, to live forever, being made in the image of God. And it reminds us of our, of our spiritual side. Now, as I go out and look at all the animals of the earth and all the different animals that are there, I'm oftentimes it would draw my mind to say, you know, we look different, so we're made in the image of God. But the way in which we're made in the image of God is that he has made us in his image in a spiritual sense and also other things that come along with that creation that he's given to us at that time. Thinking about being made in the image of God, we know that physically it's not that we look like God. But he is our, in, in essence, and our creator, he is also our ancestor in one sense. In other words, because we were created in his image. And some of you are probably familiar with the group Ancestry.com. You've looked up your uh, in-laws, outlaws, all the different people in your family through the years and found out a little bit about your heritage and ancestry. I remember just a few years ago looking at a picture of one of my uh, uh, ancestors of about four generations before me. And I was amazed at how much that person and my father looked alike. And through the years, that there were characteristics and traits that had come through there that, that caused them to look in that way. Being made in the image of God is an expression of his own love. Our children that are born of natural birth, our children, we take pride oftentimes in the fact that they carry our traits. It's a sign of family. It's a sign of relationship. And it also is a, it's a sign of love to each and every one of us. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, we read these words. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly beloved, dearly beloved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, we are called to live 
as imitators of God. And it's possible for us to do that. Look at all the other animals that have been created in all of the world. How many of them could imitate God? Now we see the blessings that they've been given oftentimes with bright plumage for the birds and characteristics of all. But he gave us the ability to be like him in his own image. And I truly believe it's a sign of love. The connection that's there, the relationship that's there. And we can be called to be imitators of Christ and to be imitators of God. You know, God could not call us to be an imitator of Him if there were not a likeness that was there that was created in the very, very beginning so that we could be like Him. Somebody says, well, are are we gods ourselves? No, we're human beings. But one day we're going to be able to live in the presence of God and be able to share in that fellowship with Him. And it is all because we are made in His image and He's placed within us that breath of life that also that soul that is given to us and allows us to be able to uh, be a part of His family and live in that way. Love is expressed in so many different ways. But I want you to remember as we go through this, if you will, we're talking about this morning the love of God and it being expressed. And we sometimes stop and say, Lord, I want to thank you for the things of this life. And we know that if we started making a list and in our prayer life, we just started mentioning all the things that we could about how God has blessed us and expressed his love for us. We might overlook the fact that he chose to make us in the image of God. That we might be able to relate. That he might be able to know us. And that we might be able and have that opportunity to live throughout all of eternity with Him. What an expression of love. Sometimes as we have children, we grow up and they grow up. And sometimes we grow away. And as we get older, we pass away. And our children normally are alive. Sometimes they pass away before us. But that separation is something that hurts so bad because we would love to have it if it were all possible to be able to live with them forever and to be able to enjoy the fellowship that is there. That's what our God has given to us, that ability to be able to do that and to live for Him each and every day. Did we make a change there? Let's try it. Yes. Yes, okay. Are we on the second one now? Let's see if I'm going in the right direction. Oh, let me tell you what. It's amazing technology. I love it. The um, As we begin to look at this, so the fact that the express love of God comes to us is because not only because we're made in His image, but because He has expressed to us His willingness and desire to supply our every need that is there. Uh, as we begin to look at it, the creation of God, we think of all the marvelous things of creation that God has supplied to us And we think about thousands of years that have gone by since the creation. We think about all that God has supplied and all that we've learned about the creation of God. But the secrets, although we've learned a lot about this world in which we live, the secrets of God still remain a secret. And it's amazing to us. It blows our minds, as we might say, to be able to think of all that God has done for each and every one of us. You know, we've learned uh, through time that light travels at 186,000 miles per second. And we've also learned that if we get on the spaceship, we can travel to the moon 
which only takes up 1.28 years, light years, 1.28 of those 186,000 miles per second. That's only 1.28% of that. Now, not percents, but uh, of what God has given. In other words, uh, as we look at the speed of light. Light is it's unbelievable. We can't imagine it. We don't understand how light travels at that kind of speed and what God has made. And even when we went to Mars, if we were going at the speed of light, it takes us three seconds to get there. It's amazing, isn't it, of what God has created and given to us in this particular way. We look out into the Milky Way. Beautiful thing. It's been so long since I've had the opportunity to look at it because we live in a light-saturated society. But there have been times in the past and places when all the lights would go out and you look up into the sky and it happens to be a clear night and you can see into the Milky Way. And do you recognize that we just so happen, God loves us. He put us in a spot in our own galaxy where we can see out of our galaxy. We can see out of it. If we were in many, many other places within our galaxy, we would not be able to see out. We wouldn't be able to tell where we are. But because of where God has placed us, He allows us to look out and to see where we are at those other 200 billion galaxies. Can you imagine? That's what they estimate. 200. Now, I'm not going to say it's exactly that amount because I don't know that anybody's going to catch up on that. But think about there being 200 billion galaxies like the one that we live in. It is amazing. Now, it is within that that God has supplied us with every single thing that we need in life. You think about the fact of water and sunshine and the ground and the seed and, and, and all that it produces. We think about the wind and the, the sun and the fuels that we have for energy and the life that is produced, uh, the life-producing oxygen that comes from so many plants. We think about things we have like language and ability to communicate, a brain that uh, our computers of our brain exceed the world's greatest computers. We think about the fact that he gives us structure of families and communities and governments. Uh, he, he gives us love and joy. He lets us express emotion. He lets us know uh, the feelings and express the feelings of our heart to one another. And he also has given us the privilege of having our spiritual needs met. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, And my God will supply all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. All of our spiritual needs, our physical needs are created in the very, very beginning and have been supplied all through time. But as we begin to look at it, we see that all of our spiritual needs. Now, as you know, there's a difference between needs and wants. I've walked into some stores before and I walk up to a counter and uh, they'd be on display on the wall there, certain items for sale. And a salesperson would say, what do you need? I said, no, that's not it. I'm not, I don't need anything. Now, I want a few of those things that are over there, but I, I don't really need any of those things. There's a difference in that. But every single need that we have in this life including every spiritual need, has been given to us by God and supplied in Him. And uh, it is so such a blessing to know that how much God loves us. He has not left us 
with any unneat met need that we have in our life. Now, there are things that we want and things that we desire. We go through different kind of tragedies. We understand situations. We hurt. We have feelings that come upon us that we don't want to have, and sometimes we feel neglected by others. But our God has supplied for us all those spiritual needs that we have. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What is it that as a Christian, God is not willing to supply to us as a spiritual need? Nothing, because He loves us. In rearing children, many times we try to supply to them all of their needs. Now, their wants, once again, that's something else. But when it comes to the needs of our children, we feel totally inadequate if we can't supply their needs. We feel like that that we've been robbed in a sense and that we hurt and we grieve if we can't supply them with the needs that we have. And our God promises us that He has and will supply to us every spiritual need. Now, maybe the only thing that's lacking in that is that we ask Him. Do you remember as a child or do you remember your children asking you for something as they were growing up? And they asked for it and you, you, of course, you either said yes or no or maybe or wait and see or, you know, the usual one is ask your mom or you ask your daddy. You know, we'd put it off on them a little bit. But the whole idea behind it all is this. We want to be able to supply the needs the very best that we can. Our God loves us. And he did not leave us without supplying those needs. The fourth thing, or the third thing that is mentioned here to the Lord in regarding his love for us, is it that he gives us the freedom of choice. Now, we're made in his image. He supplies us with all the spiritual blessings that we need in this life. And then just go back and look at the creation and all that's come from that. But he also gives us the freedom of making a choice. It's this thing that we call free will. Now, there's some people who don't believe that we have free will. We may mention that in just a moment. But in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, you remember as Joshua was leading the people of Israel, and he's soon to be departing as their, as their uh, leader. And he says this, And if there is evil... If it, excuse me. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers that they served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now think about it for just a moment. There was Joshua. Joshua was a great leader. But Joshua says as he leaves the people, we've got some decisions to make in life. There's some choices that we're going to make. He said, now if you want to follow those gods of Egypt and all back there and all the ones that you've run into since we've left the the land of Egypt and come to now, he said, you can do that. He said, but I want to tell you something. For me and my house, we have made the decision to serve God. In other words, he told the people, you have a choice. Our God loves us to the point that he allows us to make choices in life and to be able to follow Him in that way. Now, there's, like I said, there's some people in the religious world today that believe that we do not have a choice. That God made the decision before you were born whether or not you would have eternal life or not, and whether or not you would love Him, and whether or not you would be faithful. And all we are, in essence, is a 
form of rob- robotic life. And we go about, and God is already predetermined if we're going to heaven or go to hell. We don't have anything to say about that. We don't have any part in that our life, and we just fulfill his will by going through that. But Joshua, in speaking to his people before his time to leave, he said, you know, you've got a choice. He says, and my choice is that I'm going to be serving the Lord. Look at Mark chapter 8, verses thirty, beginning in verse 34. Jesus is talking to the crowds there. And um, uh, calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. As our children grow up, and as uh, we have grandchildren now, when they get to certain ages, we let them make their own decisions. And we allow them to, to make choices that they, that they want to have in life. And, and they have to develop and be able to do that. Well, God has given us commands and guidances in what we do. But at the same time, he's given us every good reason to follow him in this life. And it, one is his great expression of love to us. But he also has given us a choice. You know, you've got a choice. You had a choice of whether or not to be here today. Sometimes physical health will keep us away. There are those who are not here today who may have had the choice to be here, but their choice was something else. God allows us to do that. That doesn't make us more wonderful people than they, but what it simply means is that God has given us all the ability to be able to do that, and we want to make the right decisions. Psalms 119.105, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See, God's given us the ability to choose, but He's also given us the truth as a guide in the choices that we should make. As we rear our children, we want to rear them in such a way as to give them good guidance and where to go so that when the time comes and they're able to make a choice, they'll follow that good guidance and do what is right. That's what God has done for us in His benevolence, in His love, and all that He's shared to us. But we are held responsible for making those good decisions since God has given us all spiritual blessings and provided them for us, has given us his word to be able to guide us in uh, this life, then we're held responsible for the decisions that we've made. And so in the blessings that he gives us, we can see that it is an expression of the love of God that we are able to have the freedom to make choices that God has given to us. Now, not only that, but we also find that... uh, God's amazing love has provides our transgressions or the forgiveness of our transgressions. We're made in His image, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. He blesses us with all spiritual blessings and provides those things for us. We're able to be able to uh, grow in Him, uh, having that free choice that we make. But He also forgives our transgressions. We go back and look at the story of David. Now, I know you're familiar with it, 2 Samuel chapter 12. We may have alluded to it in an earlier sermon where David is confronted by Nathan, uh, Nathan the prophet. Now, we understand the story. We remember it. There was the adultery with Bathsheba. There was the murder of Uriah the Hittite. David is a man who now is, believes that he's living in his own deception and getting away with it. And that's when the prophet comes to him and says, you know, thou art the man. You're the one that has committed this particular sin. David's response to that in verse 13 of chapter 12, notice this. I have sinned against the Lord. 
I have sinned against the Lord. Now think about it. Adultery. Murder. And David stands up and he basically what he says was, It's me. I'm the sinner. God knows his heart and how he's responding in this way. But notice immediately what Nathan says to him. He says, The Lord has also put away your sin and you shall not die. Think about it. What did he commit? Adultery. What did he commit? Murder. And what did God say? After looking at David's heart, he says, He's put away your sin. You're not going to have the transgression. Now, as I look at that today, and I look at David, and I look at my own life in that way, I have to begin to think about the sins and transgressions of my life. Of course, we don't consider our sins as great as our neighbor's sin and other people's sins. But we know that all, since all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we all need that forgiveness which is there. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, we may have used this passage earlier. You see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good one someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. The expression is the forgiveness of sin. And God's love toward us helps us as Christians to comprehend what He has done for us, but it's also a training vehicle for each one of us. You know, as we follow Christ, we follow someone who has already made a decision for us. Before we chose Him, He chose us. And He chose us in the sense that He gave His life's blood. Just as He forgave David and was willing to do so, He's willing to forgive us today. The Apostle Paul is speaking to Titus in Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved with all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the fullness of the kindness of God and our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of our own righteousness or the things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He goes on to say He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. The love of God is that He forgives us of our sins. Now, this is kind of amazing when we think about that, that God's willing to do that. Now, earlier we said that God gave us free will. But our free will is also noting that what God has done for us and the willingness to be able to do it for other individuals. You see, if I'm going to follow after the image of God and, I, and the one who has created me in His own image and He is so willing to forgive me of all that I've done. You remember when Jesus talked to His disciples and He said, you know, uh, Peter asked, Lord, what if a man sinned against you seven times? And, and, and Jesus begins the discussion with Him about that. It's limitless how we forgive one another. 
or in, in, in the scriptures. And what we find out is that's the relationship that we have with God. It's limitless with us. That blood continues to cover us as we seek to do His will. But I find it so interesting that oftentimes that same love that God has expressed toward us and for the whole world, John 3.16, uh, if, if that same love that is expressed to us, we all don't seemingly want to share it in equal amounts with others. Sometimes people sin against us. They do things that they shouldn't do. They do things to hurt us. People have done things to hurt some of you. And those memories are still in your mind. And it's possibly that some of them have sought to try to do what was right, but we don't want to forgive. We want to hold that in our heart. Or we have people that are out in the world that are dying in sin. And Jesus Christ, through His love and mercy, provided the salvation that comes through His blood for each and every one of us. But we don't really find an urgency to share that same love with other individuals. That love that's been shared with us. You see, that was an expression of God's love in forgiving us of our sins. It's an expression of our love for God when we take that message of forgiveness to other individuals. God loves us, but it's not just for the sake of loving us. It's for the sake and part of us in His own image being an example to others and going out and sharing the love of God for uh, those round about us. Our final thought this morning is that God's amazing love has given us His Son as our Lord Jesus. I don't understand it. I don't understand how God loved us so much, this pitiful, run-down earth that we have now, and all the sin that's taking place, and all the things around the world that are so corrupt and we don't know to go to the right or to the left because each one is corrupt in its own way. And we, we find ourselves in this society, and then we find our own lives, uh, the, the sin that we fight and struggle as we seek to, to go for God and live for God. But while we were yet sinners, as we've already mentioned, He gave His Son for us that we might be able to live. What would you give for someone else? Would you give $1,000? Would you give your house, your car? Would you give the contents of your bank account to a, for a loved one to be able to keep their life? But we ask the question, how many of us would be willing to give a child? You see, God said that we're created in His image. And He helps us to see that what we, He was willing to do for us, there's the ability to imitate Him and give for others. He gave His Son and the lifeblood that we might be able to have eternal life. And to be able to give a child, I think is one of the most difficult things that I could, that I could ever, ever imagine in that way. But what would we give for someone else, especially... You know, if you were to name your children, some of you, I'm sure, have several children. And um, if you were to say which one to get rid of. Now, there's been a time or two in my life when in our family I would have gotten rid of one or two of them, uh, it, it, uh, not in a bad way, but we would have moved them on somewhere else, and I understand that. But how many of us would sacrifice? You see, God called upon Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. 
Abraham was made in the image of God. Was it a lesson that's coming down for us today to be able to help us understand that like Abraham had to make a decision in following God, he was willing to sacrifice. God gave his son so that you and I might be able to have eternal life. It's the love of God. How do we measure it? It's an amazing thing, the amazing love of God. There was a gentleman by the name of Ed Kiefer, K-E-E-F-E-R, Kiefer. He was a student in 1937 at the University of Toronto in Ohio. Very bright young man. In his senior year, uh, he accomplished all kinds of things. But one of the things the, uh, that he was able to accomplish, uh, uh, he developed something called a Q or Coupitoscope. Now somebody says, what is a cupidoscope? I've never seen one of those. No, what these others are, but what is a cupidoscope? Well, think of the word cupid, if you can, for just a moment, okay? Now you know the word cupid coming up. Uh, We have Valentine's Day coming up. Think a little bit about that. That's where he got the name for it. But it was a machine that he developed while he was there, and it was supposed to be able to, to, to measure the love that someone has for another. That was one of these machines. He used some uh, radio electrodes and some other things, resistors, and he put them all together. And he made it so that there were two brass knobs that were there, and, and uh, you could move them closer together or further apart. And what he, what he did was he'd find a boyfriend and a girlfriend, and he'd have them each one grab it. And as they grew closer, as he pushed them closer together, uh, the resistance was there. And all of a sudden, there would be an electrical current that would come out in one of these brass knobs that they were holding on to. And if you got them so close, you could barely feel it. But if you got them really close, I mean, it was biting in there. So he would let people try it out and push them together and see how close they could get. Now, it measured out on the screen of how much they loved each other. If they wouldn't get too close, he'd say, forget it. That's what it said on the screen. And if you pushed it, they got really, really close. A little sign would pop up and say, call the preacher. And the whole idea behind it was measuring the love of, of, of these individuals one for another. Well, we still don't, we don't have those machines today to, to be able to do what Mr. Kiefer uh, made back then. Uh, we have likenesses of it, I'm sure. But how do we measure the love of God? We measure it through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. It's amazing. It's amazing that He loves us in His image. It's amazing that He allows us to be able to follow after Him. He gives us free will. It's amazing that He forgives us of our sins. It's amazing that He gave His own Son for us. The question is, are we accepting that love of God and using it in a way that will bring glory to Him? Just a moment, we'll have our song of encouragement. If you're here today and not a Christian, we call on you to come in obedience to the gospel of Christ. And uh, as I know that you know, it's that we need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, repent of our sins, confess His name, and be baptized in the Christ for the remission of sin, and be immersed into the death of Jesus. And for those of us who are members of God's family, let us not forget the amazing love of God. And let us always stand firm in recognizing and and loving Him and sharing that love, not just in the fact that God gave it to us, but be imitators of Him that we express it to those round about us. We live in a world where it's difficult to express love because of all the hate that is shown. But let's live for Christ and do His will. You may be standing as we sing.